Hello and welcome to Misadventures in My Quest for Gainful Employment, where we explore and laugh about the foibles of everyday life in our crappy part-time jobs. I am Janelle, I'm your host, and I have a treat for you today. I would like to introduce to you my good friend, Debbie Marie, who will be co-hosting. Debbie, would you like to greet our listeners? Well, greetings, listeners. Thank you. So, we decided a a good starting place for this podcast would be to talk about our earliest jobs. Like, the first job you had before you were even really old enough to work. And after reflecting, we have, for a lot of people, that was a paper route, wouldn't you say, Deb? Oh, yes. That's something a lot of probably the younger generation isn't really aware of, but that was a way we made money when we were young. We would have a paper route. And Deb will just kind of share a little bit about her experience as a young person with her paper out. Go ahead, Deb. Well, when I was about 10, my sisters and I decided we wanted to get a paper out. So we did. It was the local paper in our town, and we would have to walk uptown and go to the paper office, like... The newspaper office where you picked up your papers and we all had bags and um, we had the uptown route so that we had a bakery Ooh. I know <clears throat> and so we would spend all of our money at that bakery and then we would go across the street and we went to the dime store and we would buy candy and we'd be eating this as we were walking along and delivering our papers And we would stuff all the garbage into our bags. (laughs) And then when we got home, my mom would have to clean all of the garbage out. It would just be packed full of garbage from the three of us eating the whole time. I know. Did the three of you all walk together for the route? We would split the route. Okay. Because it was like a double route. So Mm -hmm. two people would take the long route and one person would take the short route. So tell, you know, what I remember when I was a kid, I didn't have a paper route, but my brother did. He actually had, I think at one point, four different paper routes. And I remember it was like a big deal when we were calculating the numbers because he would get 10 cents a paper. And we would like be calculating it all and be like, oh my gosh, that is like 40 bucks a month. That is awesome. How, tell me about how much you got paid and how that compensation worked. Because you kind of have a funny story about it. Well... You know, I'm not really sure. I can't really remember. I know this was like in 1970. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, it'll sound like not much at all now, but back then it went a lot farther. But, um, and we would have to split it three ways. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I think that maybe each person, each one of us made maybe. a month, maybe, Mm -hmm. or something. So tell our listeners about collecting the money. Yes. Back then, they didn't bill for the paper. They made the paper deliverers collect Mm -hmm. the money for the papers. So we had a book, a collection book, (laughs) that had little stubs in it. And you would have to go to the, the customer's door, and then you'd be invited in. And so... 
And keep in mind, you're a 10-year-old kid going into a stranger's house. Yeah. 10, 9, 8, you know, my sisters were younger than I. I was Uh the oldest. And so we would go in, like, just a couple of us. I don't think my mom would ever let us go alone. So there'd be two of us, a 9 and a 10-year-old, or an 8 and a 10-year-old, in a stranger's house. And the paper fee, it was 35 cents a week for the paper every day. It was delivered every day except Saturday and Sunday. So it was five days a week, 35 cents a week. And then they would go, you know, and say, oh, let me look and see if I have that 35 cents. (laughs) And sometimes, you know, they'd be gone for like five minutes. And then they'd come back and say, oh, I don't have 35 cents this week. Could you come back next week? Oh my goodness! I, seventy cents. Yeah, you'd have to go get seventy cents. Sometimes it would even get up to a dollar five, and then they'd be like three weeks, a dollar five. Oh my goodness! <laughs> I do remember when my brother had his paper out. It was always kind of cool around Christmas time to see what free stuff he would get because people would like treat the paper boy, paper girl with like. I don't know, brownies and sometimes a $5 bill. Yeah, you would get some good yeah. bonus stuff. Yeah, of like money. And I don't remember how much it would be. Uh-huh. But yeah, you'd get treats. That was the best time. Yeah. Definitely. So I, I had this one memory and this is just, again, I didn't have a paper but my brother did. And I remember like battle battling the elements <gasps> like facing the elements was like a real part of the life of the paper delivery boy like my bro- when it was raining my brother would stuff each paper in a plastic sleeve and he'd be up at like five in the morning doing all this and I just had this one memory once of being at home and it was cold it was winter and my mom was at home in her pink pajamas her infamous pink pajamas and my brother had been delivering papers and he was wearing a black ski mask because it was cold. And he, he saw my mom through the window and for whatever reason, my brother thought, I'm going to knock on the window and say hi to my mom. So I just remember being on the inside the house and my mom sees this, this masked man approaching her and looking at her through the window while she's in her pink pajamas and she's just screaming and screeching and I remember like not knowing what was going on but there was just like this craziness and like my brother comes in and he's kind of laughing about it and my mom's just screaming at him and... <laughs> share kind of a little bit a little bit about my very first job because it's it's pretty unique so when I was 13 my dad started his own electrical business Nyberg Electric and he wanted to become a business owner and we were all really excited and proud of him for you know starting this company and I remember he was looking to hire high school students to work in his company kind of apprentice them and so I said to my dad dad could I work for you I mean I was about to turn 14 that's kind of in Iowa at least when you can really start working so he it was kind of funny my dad said sure he's like but you know all my guys are going to community college to try to get their licensure to become a um, journeyman electrician because there's kind of a bonus where if you are a an official journeyman electrician you can be left unattended at the job site Okay. So if you're not a, a licensed electrician, you can't do work unless a journeyman is there with you. So he wanted as many official journeymen 
on, you know, trained on his staff. And so I took the class at the community college, a little 13 year old. And was oh, kind, I know it's kind of funny is I think the guy who was administering the class just was kind of amused by it, but he allowed it. And I was with like, you know, 40 year old men who were getting their journeyman electrician. And I remember like, I didn't understand. Like young Sheldon. <laughs> I, no, I didn't understand anything about how electricity worked or the theory. I never studied Ohm's law. I never understood anything, but that's not what they were asking. They were asking you to study for a test. Oh, okay. So I studied for the test and the, the idea, but a journeyman electrician doesn't have to know anything. They just have to know how to find the information. So all you're trained on is if you have a question, like your, your boss has you a question, can you look in the code book and find the answer? That's all you're okay. doing as a journeyman electrician is finding the answer. You don't have to know anything. So I, I'm actually pretty good at test taking. And I took the class and I learned how to study for the test and I passed. And so I became the, the youngest oh. licensed journeyman electrician in the state of Iowa. And it's just kind of like, kind of funny. Then what, it was kind of a bummer, I think, because some of the other guys that he was training didn't pass. They didn't? They didn't. Yeah. So I think it was a little maybe embarrassing that they're like juniors in high school and there's this little freshman girl who like has to be with them on the job site. But this was what I wanted to say. I, I loved working with my dad and it was a great experience and it was really wonderful. But I just want to say it is not glamorous being an electrician when you are the smallest person. Because I was a girl and I was 14, which meant I was in every crawl space. I oh. I always got crawl space duty, and oh. I would, it was just dirty, you know, nasty yeah. work. Bugs. Yeah, and so this is kind of my my story. <clears throat> you know, when anytime someone in your family like knows a trade or something that can help around the house, every time you travel, um, people want you to do work for free. You know, like I mean, yeah, I yeah, whenever you go to their house, I know, and we've done it too. Like my my uncles are roofers, and I think our uncles have roofed our house for free at one point. They did it. You know, and so, and then I think my cut, my other uncle poured our laid the poured the concrete in our driveway. So I mean, we're just as guilty of it as anybody else. I purposely befriend those people. <laughs> so I remember we were at my aunt's house for Thanksgiving, and she wanted us to do some kind of wiring project, and so I'm doing it. And my dad's like, "Okay, reach your hand up this box and and feel for the wires, and then when when you feel them, you know, pull them." And he's asking me to pull wire. I've pulled wire a million times. I I know the drill. So I reach my hand up the box and then I'm grabbing onto the wire and then my arm makes physical contact with the the metal box and the box was hot. (laughs) And I'm like, I'm getting the shock of a lifetime. And I find like, get my arm out of there. And I'm just outraged. I just can't believe that just happened. So I'm like, I run down and I find my dad. I'm like, dad, did you know that box was hot? And he didn't really see seemed to care that I'd just been shocked. And so I was so, like, violated. I said, Dad, you electrocuted me. And my dad just wasn't having it. And he just went, no, no, no. You were shocked. Electrocution is death by electricity. Like, don't be be so dramatic, little girl. Like, you were shocked. And I just remember um, just being so just just so fundamentally angry and feeling so violated that he would have yeah. me run my hand up a box that he knew was hot. I'm still kind of pissed <laughs> off about it. 
And now a word from our sponsor. Ladies, do you prefer a clean-shaven man? Do you struggle with the occasional five o'clock shadow? If so, we have the solution. It's called the Shadow Shield. It's perfect for those nights of heavy petting when you're a little irritated and you have to go to work the next day or any special occasion or you have sensitive skin. You can just calmly excuse yourself. Say you need to freshen up in the bathroom. You go in, you attach a customized shadow shield in any color that corresponds to your facial tone and you go out and no one will notice that you're wearing it. And that will eliminate the razor burn, the friction caused from that stubble. And the next day you can just go proudly into work like you were just reading a book last night. (laughs) And... Tell the viewers what the special Christmas offer is. Is it really buy one, get a second, 25% off? It is. And if you respond in the next five minutes, you can get the Santa Shadow Shield. Thank (laughs) you. It comes complete with the beard and mustache. What number should they call to get, get a hold of their Shadow Shield? Should it be 515? 215-5114. That's it. Call right away, ladies, and be ready for those New Year's Eve makeouts. How long did you work there after that? Well, you know, I needed the money. Oh. No, I don't know. <laughs> It's funny. I I worked there all our freshman year. And then I think as soon as I, once I turned 16, I think his company kind of went under. It didn't last Oh, okay. It didn't last I wondered how long it lasted. Yeah. Um, Too many people got killed on the No. Job. And it was funny, like, I, um, there were a few times I had, like, out of school suspensions. Like, yes, I was a little bit naughty in high school. Really? Yes. And so, but my dad would just be like, okay, just work with me, you know? So I'd work. And so... I'd be in people's houses and they'd be like, why isn't she in school? And then we went on site. Well, it's because she threatened to kill her teachers. <laughs> I'd be like, why? I wasn't in school. <clears throat> in her Spanish journal. Like, we'd have to journal in Spanish. Oh and I'd be like, gosh. the student has a knife. The student kills teach. You know, El Morte or whatever. <laughs> that's... That's really not the topic of this podcast. That's, that's, that's another time. That's not the topic no, of this podcast. No. The topic that's is people would always see me as like this little 14-year-old doing stuff. And it was kind of like that movie with uh, Tatum O'Neill. Then she got the Academy Award where she was like with her dad. He was a con man and he taught her how to do Oh, that. it's not quite. <laughs> that's funny. So, But I remember people would always say... Does she know what she's doing? And then my dad had such a smart little answer for it. Because my dad has a really good sense of humor. He would just always say, she knows just enough to be dangerous. (laughs) And that was like his line. (laughs) That should have been on his card. Yeah. (laughs) 
We know just enough to be dangerous. We used to walk dogs before we could even have a paper route or babysit. We were young entrepreneurs. Uh-huh. Very. Yes. I, mean, I was. I was the driving force behind my sister's and my <clears throat> entrepreneurial drive. Uh-huh. And so I decided it'd be great. I loved animals. So what was a better job than to walk dogs? Uh-huh. Did well, you clean up after them? Because I don't, you know, back I don't then remember them ever going to the bathroom. <laughs> That's not something you notice when you're like seven mm-hmm. or whatever. You were seven I walking dogs? We were probably like seven. But if you were seven, that means your six sisters were six and five. Yes. I think they it were. It was a different time, though. It like, was. we just we walked around our town. We ran that block. <laughs> Tell me more. Tell me about. So we would go to this, oh, this woman that was on our block. And she was an elderly woman, and she had this little miniature poodle. The cutest little dog. But that was really, like, the only family this woman had. And we thought that dog was so cute, we would knock on her door. Her name was Irma. I know. And we would ask if we could take, I think it was Fifi, for a walk. (laughs) And you could just see, it was like parting with her child, letting these three little now, wait. Girls. You were asking to take her for a while? Yes. So was she paying you? She did pay us, but we would actually knock on their door and ask them if they would want us, would you let us. You just solicit your services. We solicited like, our oh services door to door. And you were probably Anybody so cute. Anybody saw with a dog. All we three girls. All three of us. All three of the Johnston girls. I know it. And we would ask if we could take their dog for a walk. And, and then they would pay us. Oh my gosh, I love that. And we would just walk it around the block because we weren't uh-huh. allowed to leave the block, you know. And then there was another dog on the corner, this big black, I don't know what kind of a dog it was, but it was a really energetic dog named Bowser. <laughs> <laughs> and this dog would just pull us around. <laughs> you know what's funny? On my block, I have a lot of college students and young people. Yeah. And my son will ride his bike in the driveway and I'll be sitting on my hammock swing watching him and once we saw a college kid on a longboard while his dog was pulling it. I've seen that. Doesn't that look like fun? And I was just like, that guy's got the right idea. I know. That's the way to do it. It is. I would be falling off of that (laughs) thing so much. Then we would have carnivals in our backyard. Tell me more. And our mom hated it so much. I could just, I know she did. Like, I didn't know it then, but thinking back on it, we would invite all the neighborhood kids over and we would have like... You would charge? Yes, we would charge. We would have like um, fortune Kissing telling. Contest. And my sister was the fortune teller. <laughs> and we would make like four things, like little tents under the like clotheslines, you know? Uh-huh. And then we would have... We had those hairy caterpillars, and we would make them walk on tight ropes, like we'd tie st- string what? to sticks, <clears throat> and then yarn to sticks, and put them in the ground, and then do it tight, and the hairy caterpillars would walk on the tight ropes. That is really creative. <laughs> we had so many of those hairy caterpillars, and they all had names, you know, because we had our own hairy caterpillars, each one. And then our mom would have to make food. <laughs> oh my goodness, the things our moms put up with. I know. 
And then a big job back then was walking beans or detasseling mm-hmm. when you were a kid here in yeah. Iowa. Which not all of our um, listeners are from the Midwest, but now I can kind of give a quick overview of detasseling. So the idea is that a lot of the companies are trying to create these hybrid corn varieties, you know, with the, the positive traits of both of two different kinds of corn. And so you actually have to physically remove the tassel, which is the male producing part of the plant to create both a male plant where you leave the tassel and then a female plant where you take the tassel out. And I mean, Iowa is just corn. We need, they just yeah. need labor to manually pull. There's no other way to do it. You have to physically pull every tassel out to turn it from a male to a female. It's, right. most, it's insane that this idea and they're like, who can we get to do it? How about 14-year-olds and Mexicans? It's, right. It's the attitude in Iowa. Yeah. And so, I mean, we worked. And their mothers. <laughs> I mean, my mom never did it. My mom did. Your mom did. Yes. Okay. Um, and I hope that doesn't sound racist when I say 14-year-olds and Mexicans. I really want to, I'm just emphasizing, that's how, that when I worked my kids, yeah. that's how it was. It was 14-year-olds. And then in, you know, and I remember sometimes there would be kids who were like Mexican kids who clearly were too young to be working. Like you had to be 14. They'd be like eight years old. Really? And I remember like one of my, my supervisor bosses, like he really was torn about it. Cause it was like, on the one hand, he wants to help his family. On the other hand, he's a child and I can't allow yeah. him, you know? And I would so put what it, would he do? He would kind of ask him to sit out and, and not oh, show up. But okay. on the other hand, like they would keep showing up and I don't exactly know how he handled it. It, w- it just put him in an ethical kind of dilemma. Um, yeah, and detouncing was not glamorous work. No, no. it was hard and hot. Because you start the day off. Early. You're up at 5 to get to the bus at 6, yeah. you know. There's dew on all the plants. And so, and the corn has little, like, kind of prickly, like, you, they call it corn rash. But at the yeah. end of the day, you have little bits of the corn plants. all kind of like that 5 o'clock shadow. Yeah, we yeah, need like that. We need a corn shield. Yeah, I think that might be something else to think about. Yes, we'll have to reach out to yeah. another genre. <laughs> you think corn rash? They call it corn rash, and it was just like the corn, like irritating your skin, and like you're just rubbed raw. Yeah, and it was miserable. And you're, you're wet. You're wet, and you're hot, and they stink, and then you have to do it the next day. And there's you spiders. Big There's spiders, spiders. Big spiders. Yes. Yeah. And I just, but I do remember when I first did it, I was dying to do it because I was dying to make money. I was dying to like engage in the world in a way where I was making money. I don't know. I think that's kind of an industrious Iowa mentality that we wanted to work. I think so. I think I, in Iowa, we are a hardworking kind of bunch. Yeah. Like I looked forward to working. Yeah. To making your own to money. To making money. Yeah. And I remember at the end of my first summer, because you don't get paid the whole summer. No. And then at the end of the summer, the boss sits down with his checks and he, you know, divvies it all up. And I remember I got a check for a thousand dollars. And I was just like, that's a lot of money. Oh my for a 14 year old back yeah. in the 90s. It is. <laughs> yeah. It is. We always worked for farmers that we knew. Okay. And so I didn't have the whole bus thing. Um, it was just my mom taking us, and that's probably why she stayed and did it. Oh my goodness. That's probably why. So she didn't have to go home and then come back, you know, uh-huh. and get us all. Yeah. And then she'd make money too because she didn't work when we were younger. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Until we were in, like, middle school or something. 
So yeah. So if you have any stories you'd like to share about kind of your real first jobs before you're really old enough to work, um, I'd love to hear them. I will provide a link to my email address in the website below, but I'm just gonna give out my phone number on the air. So you can, really? you can text me at 515-215-5114. And order the shadow shield And remember the shadow shield. They, they're generously supporting this podcast. Anyways, thank you. And I look forward to visiting with you again. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.